Hello and welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. It is episode 69 of Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and your team is the Chicago Blackhawks. They fell last night to the Calgary Flames 2-1. They also lost one of their most important forwards for an unknown amount of time, Dylan Strome goes down with an ankle injury and he will miss at least a couple games we'll discuss that we'll discuss the loss we'll go over the pluses and minuses and down the number line but first want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast follow the show on twitter at lo underscore blackhawks there you can follow my personal account as well at jayzawaski670 you also want to check out my other blackhawks podcast the madhouse chicago hockey podcast at madhouse pod on twitter brand new episode dropped last night at about 11.15 p.m. Different topics. Yeah, James Naveau and I talked about this loss to the Flames a little bit, but got into some bigger picture uh, pre-trade deadline stuff and some other interesting things, so you're going to want to check that out. Always, always different content on Lockdown Blackhawks than the Madhouse podcast and vice versa. So there is reason, there is incentive to listen to both. I think you will enjoy it. So go check out the Madhouse Podcast, and while you're doing that, hit that subscribe button on both Lockdown Blackhawks and the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. So, Tuesday night. By the way, my dad's home from the hospital. All is well. He's feeling better. Thank you all who reached out with well wishes. Now moving on to hockey. Hawks lose 2-1 to to the Flames, and this is another one of those losses where I'm not mad. (laughs) They played fine. It was a very even game. The Hawks had an advantage in shots on goal. You know, uh, Dylan Strom goes down to the Hawks are without Strom for a big chunk of the game. But what disappoints me is, look, we all knew how important this game was. We all knew that this is one of those famous four-point games. The Hawks could have cut a gap to three points between them and the Calgary Flames. But instead, now the Hawks are seven points behind Calgary. Calgary with the number one wild card spot with 51 points. The Hawks are with 44 points and one, two, three, four teams between them and the Flames. So the Hawks, though, even that said, they're only six points out of that last wild card spot. So they're not dead. They refuse to die. But man, you've got an opportunity like last night to stop the Flames from winning and get a win of your own. And they can't get it done. And the story of this game to me is going to be the Hawks' power play. It's too stationary. They said it during the third period. It was during the empty net, actually. The Hawks had no one moving. Patrick Kane had the puck along the boards. And all three forwards were just standing there waiting for Kane to get them the puck. It doesn't work that way. I mean, sometimes it does because Patrick Kane is that damn good. But you've got to move, you've got to create, and you've got these guys with this high-end ability. If you can open up some gaps when you've got a man advantage, be it an empty net or a power play, you've got this kind of skilled players that can get those quick passes through and get those good shots on goal. Too often, the Blackhawks treat their power play like a five-on-three where you're trying for that one perfect shot. They've got the puck in the zone. That's great. They've got possession. That's great. But possession is meaningless without shot attempts, without shots on goal. They've got to be better. 
And look, getting possession is the first thing. And I get that, right? That matters. The fact that they had the puck as often as they did on the power play, that's terrific. I'm not mad about it. But, man, they've got to do a better job at generating opportunities when they get these power plays. I don't really recall a, a, a tough scoring chance that they had on a man advantage. They've just got to be more effective. And now without Dylan Strom, someone else is going to have to step up into that role. And who is it? During this game, it was John Quenville. That, to me, is not a great option. <laughs> I don't think anyone here would agree that John Quenville is an ideal person to have on the power play for the Blackhawks. I think he's playing fine. He had a good game. Again, generated some offense, played well defensively. But that's not a power play guy. And they've already got all the scoring types from Rockford called up already with Secura. And, you know, with uh, Quinville's already here. There's just not a lot of guys on that roster that are big scorers. So it's going to be interesting. You're going to see Alex Nylander in the lineup now, probably every night. Dylan Secura is going to play every night. And look, Secure is a guy who followed up a pretty good game against Detroit, scoring his first goal, 921 of ice time, zero shot attempts. That's not that's almost hard to do. That's almost hard to do. So consistency is what we need from these young players, and uh they they're gonna need it more than ever if they're gonna stay in this race because even with Dylan Strom, it was gonna be tough. And now that we don't know if it's going to be days or weeks, that's what Jeremy Cowton said. Said Strom will be evaluated to see if it's days or weeks tomorrow, or that would actually be today, Wednesday. If he's out for weeks, ugh, it's going to be rough for the Blackhawks to stay in this thing without a lot of options to, you know, add. Maybe Philip Kurashev gets called up. Maybe Tyler Secura gets called up. Who knows? There are some guys down there, Alexander Fortin, Anton Vadin. They've all had looks at the NHL level before. And maybe Kirby Doc moves into a full-time center position. I don't know. They're just sort of running out of options here at offense. There's no sign that Andrew Shaw is close. There's no sign that Drake Kajula is close. They're just kind of running out of bodies. And even when they're fully healthy, they were barely a playoff team. It's frustrating, though. Like, they're they're playing better as a team now, and you have to wonder if they had, if they still had Calvin DeHaan, and they still had Andrew Shaw, and they still had Drake Kajula, where would they be in the standings? It'd have to be a little bit better, right? It just sucks that injuries uh, could be the thing that derails this thing. And now the Hawks have to start thinking big picture, right? Stan Bowman spoke to the media on Tuesday after the morning skate, and said, well, you know, not really sure. Going to see how this thing plays out, which is the right move. You know, do they want to totally sell right now, or should they let it play out? I think they should let it play out a little bit. But now with Dylan Strom out, does that change things? We're going to find out here in short order. The NHL trade deadline is Monday, February 24th. So a little bit over a month for the Hawks to decide what the future of this team and really this franchise is going to be.
It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jay Zawoski. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That's very, very helpful. Leave a five-star review and a positive, glowing rating talking about how wonderful I am and how great Talkback Tuesday is and how you learn so much about hockey. And even though the host is an idiot, the show is really good. That'd be great. Five-star reviews go a really, really long way. Hawks lose 2-1 to the Calgary Flames. It is a post-game show. That means it's time for the pluses and minuses. Let's start with the pluses. The Blackhawks killed two five-on-three penalties. That is very difficult to do, and they did a hell of a job doing it. Props to the Blackhawks penalty kill for the ballsy effort they put forth killing those penalties. You have to sort of ask yourself, How much did that take out of the team? Because it seemed like at the end of the game, they were a little bit out of gas. But they worked their asses off on those five-on-threes. They spent 222 of this game, two men down, and uh, did not allow a goal in that time. Speaking of not allowing a goal in that time, Corey Crawford, absolutely outstanding. 26 of 28 saves during the game. Nothing on the power play. A couple late saves to keep the Hawks in the thing. Corey Crawford was tremendous. Robin Leonard returned to practice on Tuesday, so it looks like he is close to returning. I would imagine Crawford probably gets a start on Thursday, and then maybe they go with Leonard on Saturday against Anaheim. They could also hold off until Tuesday when the Hawks have back-to-backs against Ottawa and Montreal. That might be the wisest thing to do, just let Leonard fully recover because they play the Hawks play tomorrow. They play Saturday, and then they don't play again until Tuesday. So maybe give Crawford those next two starts. By the way, speaking of Thursday, I'll be talking to Robbie Stanley of Lockdown Predators about Peter Laviolette, about the Predators coaching change, and we'll obviously do a game preview as the Hawks play Nashville that night. So look forward to that on Thursday's podcast. Next plus to me, can't believe it's taken this long to mention his name, but damn did Jonathan Taves have a tremendous game at both ends of the ice. He was working his ass off from start to finish. Vintage Jonathan Taves two-way play, three-zone play. That guy, he was playing harder than probably anybody on the ice for either team. That is a dude who has not quit and will never quit. And I think as long as he's on the Blackhawks, it'll be hard to see the team quit because if you've got your highest paid player out there giving you every ounce of what he has every shift, how can someone lower on the roster or younger on the roster say, well, I don't have to do that. He's going to do it. Your other highest paid player, Patrick Kane, an assist, 23-42 of ice time, seven shots on goal, two more shot attempts were missed or blocked. Another game for Patrick Kane. And yeah, he doesn't dent the net. But seven shots on goal, the Hawks had 32. He had seven of 32. Guy is on another level, so he definitely gets a plus. Another plus to me, Connor Murphy, strong game, six blocked shots for Connor Murphy. Two shots on goal, another shot attempt missed, 20-58 of ice time. Uh, I think Hawks fans are starting to learn, and I've said this before, And I'll say it again, they're starting to learn how good of a player Connor Murphy is, especially defensively. Duncan Keith 
logged 27.05 of ice time, four block shots. And speaking of ice time, Adam Boquist, career high, 23.08. Five shot attempts. Had a block shot of his own, gave the puck away a few times. But, man, you're starting to see him feel that offense. He had an assist in the game as well. The offensive game is starting to come along, and that's going to make a very dangerous hockey player. I cannot wait to see when Adam Boquist's career is well underway what that player looks like because I think he has the potential to be very, very special. Now let's get to the minuses. First minus for me goes to Alex Nylander, who had an opportunity coming back into the lineup to make an impression. And the impressions he made to me were mind-blowing decisions to not touch pucks that were going right past him and being mostly passive in the offense. Two shot attempts all night for Alex Nylander, uh, 10-16 of ice time. And look, when you've got a guy that has the skill he has and at the same time has the pedigree he has and you gave up what you gave up to get him, you think in a game you're down one, you'd see a little more ice time for a guy like Alex Nylander, but that wasn't the case. 10-16 of ice time, only 14 shifts in this game for Alex Nylander. Speaking of that, Dylan Secura, who scored his first NHL goal Sunday against the Red Wings, limited to 9:21 of ice time on Tuesday night against Calgary. Zero shot attempts from Dylan Secura. These young players, consistency is the issue. He's got to be more consistent. Should, by the way, should have given a plus to Dominic Kublik, who scored again. He was solid. Um, but that's it for pluses and minuses. Uh, man, it's just starting to feel like, I don't know, with Strom out, I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried that they're going to fall too far out of it. And I mentioned where they are in the standings. And I know some teams are going to fall back and some teams are going to jump up. But... You know, how many times have I said it this year? Missed opportunities. I should almost change the name of the podcast to Missed Opportunities Blackhawks, your Daily Hawks podcast, because uh, this is another one. And again, you can't be upset about the effort, right? They played well. They played well enough to win, especially considering they were playing down a man and they're already pretty banged up as it is. They hung in there, but it just wasn't enough. And hopefully all these missed opportunities don't leave them on the outside looking in when the playoffs roll around. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. Hawks lose 2-1 to the Calgary Flames. My voice is trash right now. Woo! Sorry about that. I can feel it fading. I mean, it's just like spending, you know, the last four years of my life seemingly in the hospital could be part of it like constantly uh you know sanitizing my hands and breathing in hospital air and glad that's over and also i did an hour-long podcast before i started recording this one so that could play that probably plays a little bit of a role too anyway hawks lose two to one like i said let's go down the number line some big coursey numbers here for the blackhawks david kampf 81.82 81.82 Corsi four percentage nine shot attempts for two against with him on the ice Alex Nylander 71.43 in Corsi four 10 shot attempts for four against Zach Smith 68.42 
13 for six against for him. Boquist at 59.5%. Duncan Keith, 55 on the dot. Dylan Secura, 52. Ryan Carpenter at 50. They were the Blackhawks, 50 or higher. Bringing up the rear on the Blackhawks, Alex Dabrinkit, 29%. Corsi, 4%. That is flat out bad. Nine shot attempts, four, 22 against. With Alex Dabrinkit on the ice at five on five. Ole Mata was 33.33, but I thought he made some nice defensive plays today. Connor Murphy with the same exact number. Kirby Dock, 34.48. Oof, Patrick Kane under 40%. Dylan Strom was a 42, but again, only played in about half the game. So the possession numbers not kind to the Blackhawks star players. Even Taves, who had an outstanding game, I thought, was a 44% even strength Corsi. But man, like I said, just working his ass off the entire game. When we look at the overall picture of this one, the Blackhawks uh, had a 46.67 to 53.33 possession disadvantage. 42 shot attempts for the Hawks, 48 against uh, with the Flames. High danger chances, 7 for the Hawks, 8 for the Flames. So pretty even as far as things go. Just looking at the shots on goal, the Hawks did outshoot the Flames 32-28. to 28, And uh, those high-danger numbers are interesting. All of them from Calgary, at least in my mind's eye, came in the second period. Let me check that on a sheet. Okay, they had seven high-danger chances in the second period and one in the first. So those were the, the Flames' eight high-danger chances. And, uh, boy, it's funny. You know, the third period, it's, I, it felt like the Hawks sort of ran out of gas. And the Flames probably had a little bit of a better third period. It just felt that way a little bit. But, yeah, not they did not generate a lot. I think the Hawks did a pretty good job of slowing the Flames down overall. So, again, not upset with the effort so much as the outcome. Yes, my one gripe is with the Blackhawks' power play. It was not doing enough. It was too stagnant, too motionless. And I don't know, like, it's been bad for so long. And when I say long, their power play was bad when they were winning Stanley Cups. Let's not forget that that was the case most years with those dynasty teams, that the power play was, was you know, average at best. And, I, I look, it's asinine to take Patrick Kane off a power play. I know it. It's asinine, and they shouldn't. But maybe just change the personnel a little bit. Now without Strom, they're going to be forced to do that, of course. But maybe just maybe put some pluggers in there. You know, John Quenville got some power play time in the game. And yeah, he's not your typical power play guy. Doesn't have a goal all year. But he had four shots on goal last night. He's played a solid game when he's been in. Maybe that's what they need is just someone who can go in there and play, you know, power play 101. Because that's kind of what the Hawks need. Instead of working, like I said, for that one shot on goal every power play, generate multiple scoring chances. Try to score on a rebound. Maybe if they put some more rugged forwards in there. Like Quenville. Hell, how about Zach Smith? He scored 20 goals in the league before. He's got some scoring touch. Give some of these 
grinder-type guys an opportunity in front of the net. No one saw Andrew Shaw as a power play uh, you know, projection when he was drafted. He was a bottom six, rugged forward with some scoring upside. But he found a, re- a, a way and a willingness to get in front of the net in battle, and it made him an, a, a valuable asset on the power play. It doesn't have to be your most offensively skilled guys. It's the guys that are willing to go in front of the net and they can find the puck at their feet and can stand in front of a goalie. That's it. A lot of it is just willingness. And Dylan Strom talked about that last year, how that was a big adjustment for him to be a front-of-the-net player on the power play. And once he learned how to do that, and once Eric Gustafson started getting used correctly on the power play, that's when everything changed for the Hawks last season, especially on the power play. It's not a complicated thing to do. It's not a difficult thing to do, but you've got to be willing. You've got to have guys that are willing to go out there and sacrifice their bodies. And look, they've got a lot of defensemen that will do that. But up front, they're a small, skilled forward group. Brandon Sod's one of those guys that's willing. He's hurt. Dylan Strom is hurt now. It's going to have to be Doc and Smith and Quenville and guys you would not imagine in a perfect world to be on the power play. But these are the guys that are going to have to step up and play a role. The power play, if it can get going, is what can keep the Hawks in these games while they're fighting through these injuries. If the penalty kill remains as good as it's been, top 10, right? And the power play can be just average, the Hawks are going to win some games and they're going to be able to stay in this thing. They've got seven games to go before the All Star break. Nashville, winnable. Anaheim, winnable. Ottawa, winnable. Montreal, winnable. Toronto, tough game, but winnable. Winnipeg, winnable. Florida, winnable. But you're running out of chances, you're running out of makeup games. They've got to take the bulk of these to stay in it. And every time I say that, it feels like they do. Going into last night's game, they had won 7 of 10. They need to have another stretch like that. Can they take 5 of 7? If they can, we can continue talking about a push for the playoffs and what this year means. But if they start to lose 6 of 10, 7 of 10, It could be the final nail in the coffin of this season. Let's hope it doesn't happen too soon. Let's hope the Hawks stay in this thing. Hopefully Wednesday brings some good news for Dylan Strom and he won't miss too much time. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Blackhawks. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Be sure to check out last night's episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast when you're done checking this episode out or vice versa. Whatever you listen to first, I appreciate it. We will talk to you on Thursday morning with a full preview of the Nashville Predators. We'll be joined by Robbie Stanley of Locked On Predators. He'll give us the whole skinny on Peter Laviolette, the new coach whose name I already forgot, the guy from the devil, what's his name, something, and and preview the game. The Hawks play Nashville Thursday night. So it's going to be a busy, busy week here on Locked On Blackhawks. So thanks for taking time out to listen. Again, subscribe, rate, review. We will talk to you Thursday morning on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.